Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. At the end of the day, most journalists are, at least at a, any given moment in their career, you know, they either think they are reporter, storyteller types, or they are publisher, producer, editor types. And we need both of those things uh, in order to have a, both a successful media product that delivers the content and good content is delivered in that product. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell. If you listened to the end of last week's podcast, you may be wondering why this isn't the episode that we had told you about. We had uh, said that we we're going to be talking to Alexa Mills, the editor of the Washington City paper this week, and it turns out we're going to be delaying that episode for a week. Here's where I pull the um, curtain back a little bit to sort of give you a peek into the production of our podcast. Usually what happens in order for us to, to make sure we have a new episode every week, we, we tend to record these a couple of weeks in advance. And that's something we had done with Alexa. And we had a great interview about uh, her starting out as the editor of the Washington City paper and um, some of the big stories she had worked on previously. And uh, she dropped us an email a couple of days ago and said that the Washington City paper was up for sale. And because of that, she felt that the interview didn't quite reflect sort of the current state of what was going on at the Washington City paper. So we scheduled it, a follow-up interview. We're going we're gonna to do the interview uh, this week. And uh, next week, we're going to have that ep episode, a combination of the two interviews. So taking the best from our first interview and the new information from our new interview. And it'll be something fun and different and great. But this week, we do have a really great interview already in the can and ready to go with Rich Gordon of the Medill Journalism School at uh, Northwestern. We talk about product management, which is something that a lot of people don't always think about, but is actually really kind of important in the digital world. So here's that interview. Enjoy. On the phone with me today is Rich Gordon. He's a professor and director of digital innovation at Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism, Media, and Integrated Marketing Communications. Welcome to the podcast, Rich. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay. Well, first of all, why don't you tell me about your journalist journey? How did you end up at Medill? So I started off as a newspaper reporter at the Richmond Times-Dispatch in Virginia, and one of the things that I discovered when I moved to Virginia was that sort of the political culture of the state and the, um, the reality of the people I was meeting, especially people my age in my 20s, seemed very different. And I, it kind of got me going on an idea for a story, sort of looking at the demographic changes in the state of Virginia. And that led me to census data, and I found myself with rows and columns of numbers. And I just knew somehow that a computer would help me make sense out of those. And one of the Guys in the newspaper says, oh, you want um, Lotus 123, which is the earliest spreadsheet program. And fortunately, he had the only PC in the newsroom. This is the late 80s. And I, uh, he let me use it until he came in at 3 in the afternoon. So I basically you know, started down this path that we then called computer-assisted reporting. And you know, more recently, probably is more commonly called data journalism. But I was a very early adopter in that space. And that sort of set me off on a path of looking at all of the... Um, 
ways that technology and journalism sort of intersected, and that ultimately led me to online news. Several years later, I had moved to the Miami Herald, where I was running investigative and data projects, and I tried to position myself for opportunities in the online news space that were coming. And I vividly remember looking for the first time, seeing a web page and a web the code under the web page, HTML, and saying to myself, ah, this is probably the way we're going to do online publishing. At the time, online publishing was AOL and CompuServe and Prodigy, and it really wasn't very interesting. But HTML really sort of brought it home. Um, and I, uh, I could have been wrong. Maybe that wasn't going to be the big thing that sort of transformed uh, our ability to deliver content online. But I, as it turned out, I was right. And so 1995, when I was at the Miami Herald and the parent company decided that they would um, launch on the web at all their newspapers, they posted a position for the first uh, director of online services. And I raised my hand. And as a journalist with seemingly some technology skills. I sort of was perfectly qualified, they thought, and probably even I thought. Anyway, that led me to being the first online director for the Miami Herald newspaper, and not just running the editorial side, but also the business side. And that was really probably what was most transformative about that experience, was just that I had come out of the newsroom, and now I needed to think about how do we make money, how do we build an audience. And it really changed my outlook being a reporter, editor, to being a person who was interested in building and developing media products. And so we had English language news and Spanish language news and um, and City Guide and other services that we built out over time. And I just learned very quickly that the digital world was not going to work the way the, the print world had worked, not least because when you are operating in a digital and online environment, you can't just create one product today and 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 be done with it. You're always having to create new publications, new media products, new tools for your readers and users. And I really brought that with me when I came to Medill after four years of running the uh, Miami Herald's online operation. Uh, it led me to believe that uh, when I was create, I was hired to create the online journalism, online publishing curriculum and program at Medill. And um, uh, because of my experience, I steered it then and even through today in the direction of um, uh, preparing people to lead and build publications and media products rather than focusing on the storytelling and reporting aspects of digital. And so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my worldview, it, 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 uh, the, 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 the online journalism program and online publishing program at Dill has evolved many, many times, obviously, because the world has changed pretty dramatically in the 18 years that I've been at uh, Northwestern. But um, uh, that focus has remained consistent, which is thinking about um, uh, how do we prepare the next generation of leaders and builders of media products, not primarily about the digital storytelling and 
reporting aspects of online media. Yeah, it seems really kind of interesting, your story. You were almost, you were a digital journalist before, you know, digital journalism really kind of existed. You sort of followed that track and then identified something that I, I think people don't always think about in journalism, certainly maybe young journalists coming in who just want to report a story, who want to write something, who want to interview certain types of people, do certain types of news. They don't realize you know, the just as important, especially in the, in the digital age, is the entrepreneurial aspect of it. Is that something that you've seen sort of change or grow as you've, you've been with this program? So it's a great question. I think it's in some ways part of the challenge we have in finding the right set of students for this program. There are definitely a very common set of motivations that bring people into journalism or cause them to think about it as a career. And they actually haven't changed that much. You know, the most common ones, they are people who they want a job where they can write or they love video or they love magazines or they love photo journalism. And those motivations have, uh, or they want to um, uncover wrongdoing and bring down, uh, you know, corrupt politicians. Those motivations are very powerful. They continue to be, I think, the things that cause most people to think, oh, I might want to get a, a journalism degree. At the same time, yes, I have definitely seen a growing interest among, you know, the next generations of younger journalists who realize, oh, actually, I might be more interested in starting my own thing than in working for a big organization and being a small cog in the wheel. So I think that's one of the motivations that causes people to come into this sort of the product space of media and journalism. I also think if you just sort of look around, you realize that while the traditional media and journalism brands are in many cases struggling, there's never been a more exciting time for starting new publications and media products. You know, whether we talk about Vox or Quartz or Huffington Post or BuzzFeed, you know, just from their Politico, there are um, an enormous number of new publications and media brands that have launched are finding success and taking advantage of the fact that, frankly, it's easier to start a new media business on the digital platform than it is in traditional media. I definitely see that. I know that when I was in journalism school, you learned the craft and then, you know, you followed the uh, the ladder, you climbed the ladder that everybody did, which was you'd go, you'd start at a local newspaper and you'd go up to a regional and, and hopefully a big daily somewhere or, you know, the same thing in sort of a, a TV track. But now with, with digital, I mean, I think people are seeing that they can, with very little effort, uh, very little expenditure, they can they can con- sort of control the whole show. So it's kind of it's kind of a, a neat idea that you know I can go to school and and learn how to you know build something that's mine that I can sort of help determine the direction of. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, that's I I do think that's the case, and it's certainly never been a better time to be a media entrepreneur than you know than, than you know than now. Um, that said, I think you know entrepreneurs are. The characteristics that entrepreneurs have are, I think, mostly uh, um, born, you know, uh, rather than being made. I can't teach you to have the, the characteristics that successful entrepreneurs have. 
if you have those characteristics, I can teach you some skills and some knowledge that will increase your chances of success probably. But the important thing to realize is you don't have to have, you don't have to be an entrepreneur who wants to go off and start their purely, own, you know, their own thing as a startup that they control to be interested in and be successful in leading or building media products. Every organization now needs to have and create new publications and media products, and not just news organizations, by the way. Every company, every brand, every nonprofit organization, every government agency probably has email newsletters, websites, maybe apps, and a need to communicate its story to its stakeholders. And the process of building a successful media product is the same, whether, in my opinion, whether you do it at a news organization or a, uh, a non-media organization. You have to understand who your users are. You have to understand what they need. You have to f- develop content for them. You've got to figure out how to get it to them. And then you have to be able to measure whether or not it is working, whether it's successful, whether it is building engagement, whether it is helping accomplish the goals of your organization. And all of these are skills um, that I, I think can be learned. And I think that journalists are actually well positioned to be successful in that space because they understand content and storytelling, which is really at the core of this, what they need um, to be successful on, on, on the product side is the other skills that complement their understanding of reporting and storytelling. So uh, you mentioned media product several times there. What, how would you define that? What is, a, what is a product in the sense of what we're talking about? Sure. Well, I, I use a very broad definition. I mean, it certainly incorporates um, publications delivered in whatever form you deliver publications, whether those are print or um, newsletters or websites or apps, you know, a, a package of editorial content with a business model that supports it is certainly a publication. But I think there are many, uh, certainly a media product, but there are certainly, there are many other kinds of media products that um, I think a journalist may be interested in helping be involved with, including the, uh, the platforms that deliver the content to you, including tools for journalists, storytellers, publishers, uh, media consumers, Basically, anything in you know that in in my view that that uh, uh, involves the application of technology to the delivery of content, stories, information to people, in my view, is a media product. Um, and um, what we see is that you know different people have you know well I, I would go I would go one step further, which is to say that it is important to at the end of the day, a successful media product is one that people want and need and use. And so uh, it's important to have a vision as a journalist or a product creator what you want to create um, and what you think it does for people and what kinds of problems it solves for them. But at the end of the day, a successful media product will be one that meets a need that people have. And that's a lot of what our program is about, is how do you understand the needs of a media consumers or journalists or publishers who might be using the media product that you develop. And that's, that's I think, the key to success. 
Yeah, you mentioned some of the platforms like Vox, you know, political things like that, where that are in the digital space that somebody's able to sort of create that and, and, and make that make something that hadn't existed before as a news delivery system. But you can also think of things like, you know, like apps, you know, or like a podcast, you know, that here's something that didn't exist before that you have to create, you have to identify your audience, you have to figure out, you know, how you're going to send it out there, how you're going to promote it and sort of grow it. So that's kind of really exciting, much more exciting than in many ways than just going out and reporting a story. Here's something that you get to create a delivery system in a way. Tell me about about the program. What is it that, you know, a student coming into that can can expect? Let me talk a little bit about sort of the way we we talk to people about it and get them to sort of see what it's about. So I, I would start by saying that, you know, what we're looking for in this program is people who share all of the motivations and goals that um, journalists have always cared about. They believe in the power of a great story. They believe it's important for people in a democracy to be informed. They are interested in media and journalism and storytelling. But I'm looking for people who are at least as interested in building products as stories. And the way we say, the way we talk about this is to say, look, we want people who are interested in building or launching or leading or growing or making successful publications and media products and, you know, very broadly defined. And the way we try to prepare you in this curriculum is to say, we know you know some things about stories and content and we want you to continue to build those skills, but at the same time, we think that you need to understand audience behavior, business, and technology. And the technology piece is really important because, you know, when websites came along, when I was running the Miami Herald's website, at the end of the day, the content we published in the early days of the web was previously published in print or could easily have been. It was just the same kinds of stories that we published in the newspaper. And in those days, essentially, the web was a place where you put up pages of content, words and images, just like we did in print. We delivered them differently, but the stories were the same. Today, any new publication is not just pages of content. It is also software. You know, when you click on things on those pages, things happen, and there is software under the hood that is what causes those things to happen. And so, it's in today's world, I think a journalist is interested in leading media products, really also needs to understand the technology under the hood and be able to collaborate effectively with software engineers, with developers to build and make their products successful. doesn't mean they have to become developers themselves. I think there are some who do, but that's rare. The more common need is to be able to work with and communicate with software engineers in the process of building or fixing or enhancing a publication or media product. And that's a big part of what we want our students to come away with here. So what type of technology were you talking about? I know in your own career you talked about learning HTML, et cetera. What, what types of things are, are, are you, you teaching your students? Well, so I sort of think of there's kind of a, a tech stack in, in online publishing. And at the, the lowest level of the, of the tech stack is HTML. You go up a little further into CSS or cascading style sheets, and that's how you format the pages of text. The next layer up is JavaScript, and JavaScript is a programming language that enables your browser to do things based on what you click on. And we 
definitely have our students uh, go into uh, into JavaScript. In fact, there's a the, the current group of students um, who are in our San Francisco campus this quarter are taking a mobile web development course, which is heavily you know based around JavaScript as the primary uh, programming language. And the goal is both to teach them how JavaScript can enable you to make your pages interactive, but more significantly is to learn how programmers and developers work and to use the tools that they use to manage the evolution of an interactive product using code. And again, as I said, the goal, we don't expect that most of them are going to be developers for a living. We do expect that they will be working closely with developers and need to understand how they work and how to communicate and what they're saying and what they're doing in order to uh, help lead the development of those products. You can go much deeper than JavaScript you know, into programming languages like PHP and Python. Some of our students may get into those. That's not the primary focus of our curriculum, again, because we would expect that the, um, in most organizations the work will be done by a developer, even in a startup setting, the ideal scenario to get a small startup off the ground is to have a, a co-founder who is a technical co-founder with a strong technology skill set. At the same time, I think the, uh, if you know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, you can very quickly build prototypes that you can use to test the validity of your ideas to show users how to uh, how your product works and to get useful feedback to evolve the, the the product over time. So you know it's definitely the case that learning that sort of HTML, CSS, JavaScript uh, foundation will position you well to be able to prototype new products even without a developer if that's what you want to do. But over time, you know, as your product evolves, you're almost certainly going to want to collaborate with a developer or more than one um, developer, and that's, I think, what I hope will set, what I think will set our students apart when they're, you know, um, working with others is they understand the software development process, they understand the tools and that, that developers use, they can communicate and collaborate effectively when the developer says something, they understand what they're doing, and they can provide useful input, and in some cases, they can avoid, um, you know, having the wool pulled over their eyes when the developer says, oh, that's going to take two weeks to do. They may be, they may know enough to say, well, couldn't you do this instead? And what I've seen is that that, you know, you want the developers to respect you and believe that you understand what they do, and I think that's one of the things our students come out of the program with. One of the things you said, or you've said it several times in different ways, is that the students still, you know, they learn the, the business stuff, the entrepreneurial stuff, the, the technology. But at the same time, they're, they're still learning their, their storytelling skills. And one of the things you also said was products as storytelling. Or, you know, how do you, you know, how do you teach that? And what does that mean? Is that kind of like a bridge from like, a, like what a normal journalist would do in taking this sort of new way of packaging it, this new way of creating technology to sort of deliver the story? How do you tell a story in this environment, I guess? That's that's a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, well, so, I mean, first off, I want to challenge something you said about a normal journalist. I think that... I know, there's uh, no yeah. normal journalist. <laughs> well, so, no, I, I think this is important. I think, you know, I sometimes think that the, the, the thing that most constrains us as journalists is having a very limited definition of what journalism is. In my view, journalism is not just reporting and storytelling. Journalism is the whole ecosystem that is needed to get the journalism 
you go back into the early part of the 20th century, then you read about people like William Randolph Hearst and Joseph Pulitzer, the people who today we would call publishers or business people. In those days, they called them journalists because journalists were not just the people who put the content into the newspaper. They're the people who published them and built businesses around them. And so I think all of that is journalism, and I want to really sort of urge us to remember remember that and to validate the students who want to do that kind of work that goes beyond reporting and storytelling. Okay, Um, well, I I get a rebuttal on that. But my rebuttal is that that I completely agree with you. And I was using that sort of as a shorthand because I think that's kind of a perception of a lot of people. Yeah. My, what I have sort of experienced in doing this podcast and, and talking to a lot of successful sort of new journalists is that they don't see a lot of the old constraints that some people are operating under who who like, oh, my God, I've got to learn how to, you know, t- tweet. I've got to, you know, shoot video when I'm doing something. Seeing that less as a barrier and seeing it more as these are opportunities for telling stories and doing new types of things. So I, <laughs> I didn't mean it as, as a negative. I, you know, I was oh, no, no, no. fighting that perception that, that a lot of people, you know, oh, but I, I think in entrepreneurialism and the business side is, is something that, that's really important, certainly for sustaining journalism, especially in, in the economic environment we are. And what's happened to sort of our industry is we move away from those old models. You know, what are these new models? What are these new platforms and, and media products that we're creating here to create something that's going to sustain our, our industry? You know, I'm all about that. But anyway, I, I interrupted you. Well, no, it's okay. I mean, I look back on my time in newspaper newsrooms and I say, you know, I mean, I think it's fair to say that we were really blind to a lot of realities that became much clearer since then. We actually, many of us persuaded ourselves that it was dirty or improper for us to be thinking about how our publications could be making money. And, you know, I realize now looking back on that, that that was really a function of a particular era in our media history, you know, when we literally didn't need to worry about whether our publications were going to make money because they were so profitable. And, you know, now we don't have that luxury anymore. I would tell any journalism student, even those who want to, uh, you know, pursue careers in reporting and storytelling, that you need to be business literate today, even if the only reason, you know, only way you use that information is to help you make better decisions about your your career and what you're going to do. The reality is, you know, the newspapers that I worked for coming up had all, you know, been around for 80, 100 years by the time I was working for them. And I feel pretty confident that any new publication launched today will not be around 100 years from now. So um, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, anybody who goes into this field is going to be seeing a lot of change across all the dimensions and a whole new you know, new technologies, new platforms, new users, and they need to be watching what's happening in the media space and being good students of what's happening in the media space in order just to, you know, uh, have a long career in this business, I think. So that's, you know, that's a lot of what I mean. I, I, yeah. I, I would preach that to any student in journalism, regardless of what direction they're going. And I agree. It's so funny because I think about this every once in a while about, you know, when I came into journal, I came into journalism, I think probably a little a- after you did. And realizing that we all sort of fell into this structure that was built on these these large institutions that had that did these incredible things to get 
like a piece of paper to your front door. You know, they're sending people all over the world to to cover things and have stuff sent in so that the next morning something will be show up on your doorstep. That's an, an incredibly huge structure to finance. And, and the, the advertising that was driving that and paying for that, when that dried up, it was like, you know, well, we still need to sustain this structure. And it's like, well, no, maybe we don't. Maybe, the, you know, we have these other tools now that we need to be mastering to sort of take us into the next level. And I think we're starting to move away from that in many ways. I would also note that, you know, this is something I didn't, you know, I, I grew up in the mass media era and I thought that was the normal order of things. But um, as I uh, sort of actually when I came into act, academia and realized that I needed to learn more <laughs> um, in order to teach better, I really have come to realize that, uh, in fact, that mass media era, when there were one newspaper, maybe two in every town, and three network television affiliates, and basically not very much choice in media, that period in our media history was the anomaly in our media history. It is not the norm. Um, you go back to 1775 Philadelphia when the street was flooded with pamphlets, or 1908 Chicago when there were 34 daily newspapers. In most of our history, actually, we've had a proliferation of media products, a lot of competition, a lot of choice. And it was only you know during that 40 or 50 years in the second half of the 20th century when we um, sort of had this uh, these large media institutions with um, relatively little choice um, available to you as a media consumer. So in a lot of ways, I think you know where we are today is more like 1775 Philadelphia or 1908 Chicago than it's like the era I grew up in. And with all of the risks and and challenges and excitement associated with that. Exactly. We just sort of stumbled in, I think, one, into the, one of the most exciting times in, in, in journalism. There's so much innovation going on. There's so many opportunities. And many of those opportunities, you, you, get, to start, you get to start yourself. You don't, need to, you don't need to go try to convince some newspaper editor or publisher to do something. You, can, you, know, you have the tools available to you, the knowledge available to you to strike out on your own. Now, I, I do want to go back to the, the question I asked, which is about storytelling. You know, where do we bring the sort of you know, storytelling into this media products realm? Sure. What, what's that bridge? Um, I think the, the, you have to sort of, it, 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 it's a, it, the idea of a bridge is a really interesting way of putting it because at the end of the day, you have storytellers and you have product creators and publishers and the two have to be married together. I think at the end of the day, most journalists are, at least at a, any given moment in their career, you know, they either think they are reporter, storyteller types, or they are publisher, producer, editor types. And we need both of those things uh, in order to have a, both a successful media product that delivers the content and good content in delivered in that product. So, you know, we are a, at the core of journalism school, obviously, and you know, worship good reporting and good storytelling, and every student in our program gets experience doing that because it's, you know, at the core of the journalistic mission. But sort of the question is, how deep do you go into that, and what else do you do besides that when you're pursuing um, our degree and make those choices based on what you, you know, where you think you fit in the, in the, in the landscape um, of opportunities in media and journalism. 
I often, I, I have a standard sort of uh, poll question I ask uh, um, students in my classes, which is, you know, if you had to choose, which of these are you? Are you a reporter, you know, curious person who likes to find things out and, you know, um, uh, dig things up? Are you a storyteller where what really gets you excited is putting together a great story? Or are you an editor, producer, entrepreneur type who is interested in the product space? And, you know, honestly, if most journalists, Typically, probably you, know, you would rank them. Number one is storyteller, number two is reporter, and number three is editor-producer. And that's okay. I mean, we need more reporters and storytellers than we need editors and producers. That said, I think if you look at the job landscape and the career landscape in journalism and media today, compared to when I was a young reporter in a newspaper newsroom, uh, there are many more kinds of roles for journalists than there were when I started. Uh, when I started, basically, you know, we had reporters, you had editors, you had photographers, you had graphic artists, you had copy editors, and that was what you did in the newspaper newsroom. All of the other things, the product development and the delivery and the building of the audience for it were not something that the newspaper the newspaper newsroom staff were responsible for, whereas in today's world, we need people who are not only reporters and storytellers. We need people who can develop content strategy. We need people who build, who specialize in audience development. We need people who are good at user research, UI, UX research that is designed to uh, elicit and understand the needs of your audience and your users. And we have this emerging field um, called product management, which really, in some ways, you know, for an editorial product, it's like what the editor, you know, the role of the editor. You have to have the vision for the product, and you have to set a leadership tone, and you have to, you know, get everybody working together on the same team. But in print, editor mostly worked with words, whereas today with a publication or other media product, the editor also needs to work with technology and with audience development and with uh, content strategy and with doing user research and needs to be literate across those disciplines. So we, if you look at the jobs in newspaper and newsrooms today, you see job titles like content strategist, audience development specialist, product manager, user research specialist. And I think in a media organization, news organization, we really want those jobs filled by people who have journalism DNA, who understand the mission and role of journalism, and are also literate in these other functions so that they can bring their journalism uh, foundation successfully into those spaces. Yeah, I think that's probably a great place for us to sort of wrap it up. Rich, thanks for uh, for coming on the podcast. How can people find out about your program? If you go to the middle website, Undergraduate Programs and Specializations, uh, you will find the uh, Media Innovation Specialization, Media Innovation and Entrepreneurship Specialization that um, I direct at Medill. We also have a, um, uh, a channel on medium.com. So if you uh, were to go to medium.com and type in Medill Media Innovation, you'd find a regular flow of content and stories about our students and what they're doing. We're looking for uh, the future leaders of journalism and media. So uh, hopefully... Uh, 
some of you uh, listening along will check it out. It's pretty cool, uh, and you get th- you get to spend three months in San Francisco learning about technology, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a one-year program, so it, you get in and out quick, which means it's very intense. But uh, the first quarter is in our um, Chicago space, downtown Chicago, with a view of Lake Michigan, and you are getting a great foundation uh, in all of the journalists and fundamentals, as well as an introduction to the media landscape. And then the second quarter is spent in our uh, uh, wonderful space in San Francisco, where students um, basically take three courses, one around audience and user research, one um, mobile web development, one around the business of media and tech, as well as doing a a -a two-day-a-week internship at a media or tech company in kind of the product space. And then you come back to Chicago for six months where um, uh, you are uh, you have a fair amount of flexibility on what courses you take, but the central thread that runs through that entire six months is a, um, a startup class where you're on a team of uh, five or six building and launching a publication or media product. And uh, at least two of those team members are software engineers, so you're getting hands-on experience working with them and building something and launching it and getting useful input from your readers and users. And the potential is for a real company to come out of that class, and and sometimes it does. Um, But even if uh, your product and your your team does not continue on after the class is over, you have had a real – startup experience in which you have applied everything you've learned about business and audience and technology and have collaborated successfully with software engineers, potentially a business school student, to launch a product. You've gone through the whole cycle um, and you've learned what's involved in doing that. So it's a very, you know, it's an unusual, very hands-on, very intense program, but I think the students come out ready to take on a wide variety of roles in media organizations or they are wired that way to launch their own um, new business in the media or technology space. Yeah, like I said, that sounds pretty cool. I would love to have done that (laughs) in my journalism track. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Sure thing. Take care. Next time on It's All Journalism, I'll have my updated conversation with Alexa Mills of the Washington City Paper. That should be very interesting, I think. And if you're looking for something else, some other great content of ours to listen to, uh, go to itsalljournalism.com. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. Also, if you get a chance, drop us an email at editor at itsalljournalism.com to let us know how we're doing and uh, if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes. This interview with Rich Gordon, as a matter of fact, came from a listener who uh, suggested that this be a great topic for us to discuss. And also, when you're visiting our website, please check out our Patreon campaign. We're not asking for a lot, just a little bit each month to help this podcast grow, become something different, something bigger, something better. Just for a dollar a month, you can help us do that. It takes a lot of people to produce an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco edited our audio. Amber Healy wrote this week's web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.
the Target USA podcast with your host, J.J. Green. Russia could render a huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. That could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack. This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA. The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC. The Finish the Game podcast with your host, Sean Alexander. Draw play to Sean. Across the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. Hey, this is Sean Alexander, NFL MVP. Check out my podcast, Finish the Game, where I discuss sports and life lessons helping you become an MVP. The Finish the Game podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC. 